Okay, so I've got the uh, got the approval, so we're good to go. Uh, welcome to our Thursday edition of uh, the Carolina Weather Group. We continue our coverage tracking Hurricane Florence as uh, Florence is approaching the uh, Carolina coastline. Uh, both North and South Carolina coastlines right now are getting uh, hit pretty hard with uh, the outer bands of Florence, especially up in the Moorhead City and Outer Banks area. Uh, down towards Wilmington, Myrtle Beach, starting the Philly effects, and then eventually uh, down into the Charleston area. So tonight uh, we have our uh, regular panelists on, Shea Gibson in Charleston, South Carolina. We have Jared Smith also in Charleston, South Carolina with us. We have Chris Jackson, who is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina tonight, and James Briarton, who's up in Rochester, New York. And uh, I'm Scotty Powell here in the foothills of North Carolina. So we welcome you uh, to our program tonight. Please share this out to your friends and family uh, in their timelines. That way they can get the latest information for uh, the um, what we're expecting over the next couple of days with Hurricane Florence. We also have with us uh, tonight Daniel Bonds, meteorologist in Columbia, South Carolina, and Melissa Griffin, who is a climatologist with the state of South Carolina. And here in just a little bit, uh, Dr. Uh, Greg Postel from the Weather Channel will be joining us as well. So with that, I want to toss it over to Jared Smith. And Jared, uh, we had the uh, 8 o'clock advisory come out just a little bit ago on uh, Florence. And uh, can you give us the up-to-date information on that? Yep, absolutely, Scotty. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Hurricane Florence is uh, slowing down. It's slowed down for much of the day today. And uh, now we've uh, got it hugging the coast at this point. So uh, as of 8 o'clock, max sustained winds of 100 miles an hour. That's a Category 2 on the Saffir-Simpson wind scale. Uh, movement northwest at 5 miles per hour. So, again, it's been it's been kind of meandering with this uh, west-northwest, northwest movement throughout the day. Um, and uh, minimum pressure, 955 millibars. It had a little flare-up earlier. The winds briefly got up to 105, but now uh, back down to 100. And so it's uh, 85 miles east-southeast of Wilmington, 145 miles east of Chris Jackson in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, so a couple changes that came out with the 5 o'clock update. Uh, we, now have a, uh, we now have a tropical storm warning uh, north of Duck, North Carolina to Cape Charles Light, Virginia, Chesapeake Bay south of New Point Comfort, and Edisto Beach, South Carolina to South Santee River, South Carolina. From there, there's also uh, several inland tropical storm warnings that have been issued, including for Berkeley, Charleston, Dorchester counties and the Tri-County area, um, and, and really all the way up into the PD. Uh, so uh, it's been it's been kind of busy, um, to say the least, uh, starting to see uh, maybe some trends finally emerging here. If we take a look at the track on my screen for you, just a moment. Booyah. All right, there we go. Um, and so we take a look at the track here again, a very, very wide uh, wind field with, uh, with Florence. Very, uh, very, very wide storm. Hurricane force winds extend outward up to 80 miles from the center. Tropical storm force winds extend outward up to 195 miles from the center. This tropical storm force wind field is, is solidly onshore now in um, North Carolina. And again, this is just going to drift. It's going to drift west for a little bit. It's going to might bend south slightly into uh, the PD area and then drift through the Midlands and uh, then gets picked up by trough and bye-bye. But in the meantime, uh, you know, just, just bad storm surge damage uh, already in North Carolina. Um, and uh, I'm, we're going to, we're going to talk all about that. And uh, so 
Well, <laughs> more to come uh, from old Florence. Back to you, Scotty. All right. Thank you for uh, the latest information there, Jared. I want to toss it. Shay, are you ready? Are you good? Scotty, come right back to me and I'll, okay. uh, I'll give you more analysis on the modeling and everything like that. And uh, we'll, we'll go into more detail about what's, what's actually occurring with the, with the storm at the moment. I also have some interesting surface ops to talk about. Come right back. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Shay is trying to get with uh, Dr. or with Greg Postel, uh, trying to get him up on the stream. I want to toss it quickly. I'm kind of going out of the, the order here. Uh, we want to bring in Chris Jackson right quick. Chris, uh, you've been traveling all day. Uh, you're actually getting to see some of the firsthand experience of what's going on with Florence and Myrtle Beach. Kind of tell us uh, about your day and what you've experienced so far. Hey, Scotty. Uh, left out of Columbia about uh, just before noon today and uh, took the senior crowd down here, uh, came through the town of Nichols. Went through the town of Nichols. That was, uh, everybody knows, uh, devastated by the 2016 floods associated with Hurricane Matthew. Uh, from there, came on down to uh, uh, North Myrtle Beach, spent the afternoon in North, North Myrtle Beach. Uh, talk with the local emergency officials there and just uh you know help them out uh, send them some wind readings off uh, my instruments and uh you know went down to the beach and just got a feel for it uh, it was actually along the beach it was a great day the wave action was just incredible i mean like three and four you know, five foot breakers with an offshore flow just you know had the waves just carved up nice and there was a there was a lot of people out surfing today you know don't want to encourage that because of the rip currents but i understand you know where the surfers are and and there's not a whole lot we can do about that. But, uh, you know, uh, about six o'clock, decided to come down to Myrtle Beach and uh, get a hotel for the night. Uh, you know, watching on radar, the storm just looks like it's stalled. It has not gotten any closer to me all day. So instead of, you know, rushing it out all night tonight in a, in a, in a parking garage or something like that, you know, I decided to come on down to Myrtle Beach and uh, uh, found a hotel where a bunch of journalists and stuff are. All right, that sounds good. Chris has uh, got some great footage for us, and uh, we'll air that here in just a little bit on the show. But I want to bring in Daniel Bonds. Uh, he works in Columbia, South Carolina, for the Tegna affiliate. And uh, Daniel's got to get back to uh, got to get back to work. So we want to go ahead and bring him in. <laughs> Daniel, old friend to the show. It's nice to have you back. I hate it's under these circumstances, though. Hey, y'all can let me come anytime. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> And I have to admit, I'm at I'm at the house now, so I'm not that busy. But uh, I am tired, and my wife goes to bed so early because she has to wake up at uh, four thirty in the morning. So I didn't want to keep her up talking weather too late. But uh, yeah, it's great to be here. I appreciate you guys letting me come back, and I appreciate the invitation from you and Chris, Scotty. No problem, Daniel. So uh, you've been busy today. Uh, at least one more day of maybe some preparations in the Columbia, South Carolina area before uh, we kind of see the full effects of uh, Florence. So. What are you looking at right now for your forecast, Terry? What have you been telling your people? Yeah, the biggest thing today probably was, or I'd say one of the interesting things was, it was the first ever tropical storm warning for the Midlands. Because y'all probably know the, the change in the warnings and the, with the high wind warnings, now they can issue those inland tropical warnings. And so that was one of the interesting things. We had our first ever tropical storm warning for our area. That's the biggest thing we're watching. We've got three counties under a warning, another one under a watch, and it looks like it's going to, that's going to be the greatest impact for us in our eastern part of our, our market. So that's what we've been watching. The chances are that obviously we heard Chris talking about Nichols. I think that's a big concern is the river flooding for us across the Midlands. Also the flash flooding as well. Wind, and the wind probably in the eastern half of our uh, DMA, but that's the biggest thing we're watching, the river flooding and for the potential for flash flooding. That's what we've been telling people all day long. And 
it looks like, um, I mean, honestly, we could use the rain in our area, but not that much. But over a, a three, four day period, it wouldn't be that bad for us to pick up a, a little bit of rain. But unfortunately, it looks like in the eastern part of our area, some higher amounts, which could cause some potential problems. And Daniel, you know, Columbia, no stranger to flooding. Uh, we saw that a couple of years ago with uh, uh, back in 2015 and even some flooding with uh, Hurricane Matthew uh, in 16. Uh, I know we've, we've been filled in a couple of questions this week. Is the flooding in Columbia going to be anything like it was the past couple of years? Uh, you know, it, it, we see some higher totals, but it doesn't look like it's going to be as extreme. But what are you telling your folks there? Yeah, and that's the litmus test now in Columbia is the 2015 flood. And that was a short period. And if we get the type of rain, if, if we get seven to 10 inches in the Columbia area and it comes in waves and those bands that you would expect, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. It's going to be some flash flooding, obviously, but it's not going to be anything like the 2015 floods. I mean, the 2015 floods was just crazy. And then you had the dams breaching and it was like dominoes. So don't think it'll be like that, but that's the litmus test. That we've gotten that question, and we've gotten is this thing going to be anything like Hugo from '89? And that's another one of the litmus tests for South Carolina is they want to know what it compares to Hugo, and it's two different storms, so you really can't compare those two. But that's what uh, freaks people out, for lack of better words. Definitely. So we've, we've had that Hugo question uh, the past couple of nights. Another threat that you guys may face uh, as uh, Florence tracks inland is the uh, potential for tornadoes. And um, uh, the track kind of depended on that. Uh, looks like maybe uh, the, the way the track is right now, you guys may be setting up for that potential. Yeah, and it all depends on that track. Where is that center of rotation? Are we in that right front quadrant? And how long will we be in it? Right now, we were saying maybe isolated tornadoes, but, you know, that can change depending on the track. So that, that was what we were kind of looking at as far as severe weather was concerned today. Obviously, we'll know a whole lot more. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. Hopefully, we'll know a lot more tomorrow and certainly as we go into Saturday. But that's uh, that was the big thing we've been watching is the river flooding and the flash flooding potential. Definitely so. And I know it's been a complicated forecast, you know, just a couple of days ago, is expected to maybe move up into Virginia and maybe even not affect uh, the upstate of South Carolina or even you. Uh, communication standpoint, um, what's it been like for you guys? I know it's it's kind of been it's been all over the place, you know, per se, back and forth. Uh, has it been hard for you guys to kind of convince people, hey, this this could be a serious situation we need to worry about? I don't. I think people are taking it pretty serious. I, I believe, and it's. And I think sometimes the messages are mixed. When a lot of people hear evacuation, they think that us here in the Central Midlands needs to evacuate. They need to evacuate. And so we've had to kind of stress, you don't have to evacuate, but if you live in a floodplain or you live in an area that, that, uh, that gets a, a river flood warning, then yeah, you may need to evacuate. But we get a lot of questions about evacuations that... Uh, and we try to tell them, uh, run from the water, hide from the wind, as a lot of people say. We get a lot of that. We get, um, we get people asking if they should go to work on Friday or Saturday. And we have to tell them, like, we can't make that judgment for you, but you make the best decision that's going to keep you safe. So we get a ton of questions. 
um, social media is good and bad. There's a lot of stuff out there that, that we've seen that just, I don't, well, y'all see it too. Somebody pulls a one model run and takes it as the the biblical truth there. And then that's some of the things that we're fighting through too. Um, Cause people are saying, well, X, Y, Z saying this, and you guys are saying that. And, and then when they always say, well, the European models are more accurate. And we say, well, are any of them really that accurate? You know, they give us an idea of what may happen. So we run into that kind of stuff with, with communication. Social media is great, but we do get some of those issues. It has a really good upside and a really bad downside. To it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we know, we know you're tired. So last question uh, for you and feel free to stick around if you want to. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Um, as you uh, were at work today, you doing some of your TV hits and stuff like that. What has been your final word to your folks there in the Columbia and your viewing area? Uh, the biggest thing I like to tell people for anything is be prepared, but you don't necessarily have to be paranoid. If you're prepared, you'll be ready for whatever may come. And, I, and hopefully our viewers are ready for whatever may come and they're not not paranoid or scared of, of the event. And you're you, going back to your last question, you're talking about social media. That has become such a big part of what we do. TV has become just a small part. We'll go, we'll do a two minute hit an update on the hour about the storm, but then we'll go an additional 15 minutes on Facebook Live or YouTube Live or whatever that format may be, answering questions like that. And I think that that's how things have changed, especially here over the last couple it's been a lot more social media focus again like you said scotty can be good and bad <laughs> it is and we we personally we like this format you know i'm monitoring the phone watching questions pop in like everybody else but it kind of that one-on-one feeling in it and that's the good side the bad side is those social meteorologists that we have to you know, all those yeah. crazy fantasy storms so <laughs> yeah the, my favorite this week was the that, that florence was picking up sharks and bring yeah. them into the storm. That was my favorite by far. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Daniel, we appreciate it. Stick around. Uh, I'm going to toss it to Shay Gibson. And Shay, uh, I know you guys at Weatherflow, you were able to capture some really great data um, off the coast of North Carolina. And I'll let you uh, bring in our next guest. All right. Thank you very much, Scotty. Uh, yeah, it took me a few, a few minutes there. I was responding to several things at one time. But uh, make sure, give me an okay. Uh, you can see the screen that I'm showing you. We got good. it. Okay, good deal. All right. So uh, this is our Datascope Storm Tracker, and you can you can see this in WindAlert as well. Uh, WindAlert.com slash storm slash Florence, pretty easy link. Uh, you go in, you can see all of our weather stations going on here. And what we're seeing is uh, a lot of observations where we're verifying some gusts into the Category 2 strength. We have the Onslow Outer Bay buoy reading at 110 miles per hour. And so we are getting some, some severe winds up in this area. Here are Fort Macon Station uh, just next to Cape Lookout. Uh, we look at the archive. We had a gust of 105 miles per hour, 8:23 p.m. Now this station is 34 feet high above the ground, so this is an optimal height of just near 10 meters, which is optimal. Uh, and so the the winds right now are sustained at 65 to 67 miles per hour, up near 70 miles per hour. So this is strong uh, tropical storm sustained force winds with gusting up over 100 miles per hour. Uh, so this is pretty serious. Uh, everything is, is uh, going downhill very quickly for southeastern North Carolina. I imagine the surge is uh, going up as well. I saw some uh, social media on Twitter just before sunset 
where folks up in New Bern, that's in western Pimlico, up in the Noose, and those areas are starting to flood out pretty badly. That was expected with a storm surge of about nine feet plus for some of those spots. It went down a little bit because the intensity of the storm went down. Uh, but we did see one last-ditch effort with convection really wrapping around the core rapidly about an hour and a half ago as the storm moved over the Gulf Stream. And uh, we, we might be seeing right now the cloud tops are cooling. We could be seeing that cool water upwelling effect that we've been talking about as well as the storm moves along the coast. Pull up COD uh, imagery here, and we can catch the back end of this uh, flare-up of convection right here at the, in the first frames. And then as we get uh, a little further out, we see the cloud tops cooling. This could be in uh, where this cool water upwelling effect is starting to take away some of the surface fueling of the storm. Also, we have a little bit of dry air slotting getting involved with it as well on the western side. So we're seeing a weakening process just as NAC has uh, uh, pretty much suspected that this would happen as it closed in on the coastline. Uh, some of the modeling, real quick, uh, I don't want to spend too much, but the um, there is some disagreement here. We have the Euro, uh, which keeps this hugged along the coastline, maybe even offshore. And we have the GFS and the NAM and some other models, pretty much the UCMET. There's three three major model sources that are keeping this thing to the west inland. But the Euro has been this one that has been consistently, uh, you know, modeling this whole scenario where the storm, uh, more members are dropping it a little bit southwest along the coast. So it can't be ignored, and which is why the uh, NHC track projection is still so wide in the margin of error, keeps it off the coastline. Otherwise, this track would be pushing straight into South Carolina at this point, or even portions of North, uh, southeastern North Carolina all the way across. And so it's just still confusing. There's still some uh, uncertainty because of the euro. And I think uh, we're going to find out what the euro is, is, you know, their margin of error throughout this whole thing is going to be when the storm is over. I know that I saw a graph the other day where, it actually outled the other models of being more erroneous in some of its numbers. So we'll see what's going on there. Uh, back to you, Scotty, unless there's any other questions about modeling. Uh, basically, for those watching, in a nutshell, what's causing this is high pressure to the north and northeast wedge biting down to the storm. The gradient that's creating itself on the northern side is also helping to push it down a little further to the west-southwest in time and then across the state and around the subtropical ridge that's going to be developing uh, with a trough picking it up as well. So luckily, hopefully by the time we get to Monday, we'll start to see this system move out of the Southeast region and and we'll be on our way out from it. Uh, Shay, did you uh, want to talk about maybe some of the observations that you guys at Weatherflow are able to uh, to capture and then I'll let you bring in our, our guest. Sure, yeah. So the um, again, you know, the observation I showed with uh, the Datascope storm track uh, right here in our storm track tool. The observations we're seeing basically are sustained tropical storm force winds for the most part. We're getting sustained hurricane force winds here at Davis, uh, North Carolina. So some of these spots are getting sustained hurricane force winds for sure. These buoy readings around the storm, uh, you know, with the swell heights being so large, we have to account for surface friction and land or not land shadowing, but swell shadowing. Uh, some of the signs behind winds where you get swell heights so large that you get a, a buoy that's bouncing up and down in the waves and you're not getting the cleanest reading. So uh, we haven't really accounted for the uh, peak wind speeds on top of what you're seeing here for averages, but we can certainly know that it's several knots, if not maybe 10 to 20 knots higher than possibly what we're seeing here as far as the averages go. So definitely seeing hurricane force winds along the southeast North Carolina area is expected. I'm going to go ahead and bring Greg Postel from the Weather Channel in and uh, see what he has to say and what he's been seeing from his point of view and uh, the rest of his staff up there, they do a great job. So Greg, I'm gonna go ahead and bring you to the forefront here and let us know uh, what you're seeing. Oh no, Greg can hear me. 
Not sure if he's hearing me, guys. Can you hear me? I uh, we can hear you. Yes. Okay. I don't know. Let me. Uh, let's uh, go over to um, or Sky. You can pick it up wherever you yeah. want. I'll, yeah, I'll... definitely. Yeah, we'll 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 pick it up here. You gotta love technology, right? Um, so, uh, talking about this uh, storm, uh, Dan, uh, Chris, I want to come to you right quick. Um, you were you noticing it some uh, how quiet it was in Myrtle Beach. Uh, sure. Talk to us about how uh, how you how those folks there have evacuated. I mean, some of the video, and I, I think we've finally got that video ready to roll. Uh, it was almost like a ghost town there. Oh, absolutely, Scott. It was, uh, you know, it looks like a lot of people along the coast have, uh, have heeded, you know, the warning that was given out uh, and the evacuation warning on Tuesday by Governor Master. And uh, a lot of the buildings are boarded up. And, uh, most everything's closed down. Uh, it, it was it was it was weird to be down here, uh, you know, Myrtle Beach in the uh, the late season, but there's nobody else here. You know, I, I drove from Cherry Grove down here to the south side, uh, close to the airport, uh, just a little while ago, and I maybe saw three other cars. And I think two of them were uh, Myrtle Beach PD. So I mean, it, it is is absolutely a ghost town. And Chris and, and Daniel, I may bring you into this and Melissa as well. Uh, we were able to see the. Um, the the road reversal uh i know it was was contraflow all the way out of out of the coastal areas and then you know today it seemed like we we are allowed to go back into those areas am i correct in saying that me being in north carolina i, w- I was just observing from afar so no they actually um they did the road reversal so that emergency services can get down there a lot quicker okay. it's not that they have um you know stop the evacuation order and they're letting people back in. That's more of for emergency management operations at this point. The road reversal was meant to get as many people out quickly ahead of the storm as possible. Um, And in doing that road reversal, now they can actually get emergency services back down to the coast a lot quicker um, after the event actually happens. I was, I was catching on Twitter. They said at like six thirty seven o'clock tonight that the, the, the roads had been reversed. I, I didn't know what, you know, if they were allowing people now to go back or not. So, uh, but anyways, um, that's some good information. But uh, Chris, uh, glad to see that a lot of folks have, have taken uh, that advice and have, have uh, moved out of the area. Absolutely. I can't agree more. You know, the, everybody gets so bent out of shape when, when you see, you know, Cat 2, Cat 3 hurricane, you know, he's talking about winds over 100 miles an hour, but you know, the biggest threats is, is, is not the wind, it's, it's the water. It's the storm surge, it's the, it's the inland flooding, flash flooding, you know, that's the number one killer. And, you know, I'm really glad people heeded the warning and at least in the, in the Grand Strand area that I've seen have, have, have got out, you know, got out of town. Um, and Jared, I know, uh, I'm not sure if we got Greg yet. Jared, um, you noted that there was some additional tropical storm warnings issued for, for you guys, uh, close to Charleston and South. Um, how have those preparations went? Have people kind of, ch- uh, maybe have their ears up a little bit more and paying more attention? You know, I was out and about today and there was still, you know, a decent amount of cars. Um, everything's closed. Um, I, the, the way they get people to evacuate is close Taco Bell, right? Um, everything is closed. It's, um, you know, there's very few things open. Publix is still open, um, but there's a lot of people behind. There's, there's uh, the tropical storm really doesn't scare a lot of people. Um, I think some of it is uh, people feel a little hardened after, after the last two. Um, Matthew and Irma. Uh, I think 
people are going to see a little bit more wind out of this. And I think they're going to see rains that maybe, you know, especially further up, they're not going to expect. Um, again, we're thinking up to 10 inches of rain here and maybe a, a little bit more in isolated spots. You know, you never know. Um, so flash flood watches up too. Uh, but, you know, there, it's quieter. It's certainly quieter. Uh, but, uh, you know, just anecdotally from my neighborhood, I don't think I've seen anybody leave. So I'm not sure what the compliance is with the uh, evacuation order here is in Charleston. Okay. Thank you for that, Jared. Let's bring in uh, Melissa here. Uh, Melissa, as a climatologist, what are you kind of studying? What are you kind of looking at as uh, we look at uh, Florence moving into the area? Well, one of the things that I've been um, looking at is the past rainfall from the 2015 floods and, of course, Matthew. Um, they had substantial flooding along the PD. And you guys kind of were kind enough to share one of the tweets that I uh, had put out a little bit earlier um, that showed the river basins where the PD and the uh, uh, Catawba, the Santee water, watersheds, they actually get their headwater starting in North Carolina. So all of that water is going to be coming into those watersheds and eventually making its way down through South Carolina. And it comes down to how much can those watersheds actually handle. The PD is a really big watershed. It's known as like a black water watershed, which means that it's a very slow moving watershed. Uh, it doesn't have the flash, the quick flash flood where you get the quick rises and the quick retreats of water. So what we're going to actually see is the skies are going to clear, the rain's going to stop, and the river water is going to continue to rise. So we're kind of mo monitoring that and taking a look at the 2015, the Matthew floods, and what could we potentially see from those river basins um, from this amount of rain that we're going to get um, from Florence. And it's just, it's amazing to see. We talked about that with Daniel here, and he talked about it kind of being like the benchmark storm for a lot of folks. Uh, I don't know what it's been about South Carolina, but over the past four or five years, there's been some major rainfall events that, that's taken place there. And I know that's kind of kept you guys busy. It has definitely kept us busy. I mean, in the Climate Center, we've been um, analyzing the 2015 flood, um, still looking at the stuff from Matthew. I mean, we're still trying to recover from, from those two particular events. And here we're going to go into another event where we're going to have to do a lot of uh, analysis of data. I mean, we're actually looking the, um, um, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet that came out of the Southeast Regional Climate Center um, just earlier today, but they were actually kind enough to post uh, the the one-day record rainfall amounts for North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. In North Carolina, it's going to be in Brunswick County. It was 13.3, or sorry, 18.3 inches back on September 16, 1999, in Hurricane Floyd. And the one-day total or maximum total in South Carolina is also from Hurricane Floyd. Um, and it's the September 16, 1999, and that was 14.8. We're actually, depending on how these rain rates set up and, and where these bands set up, I mean, we actually could look at like smashing those records um, for statewide rainfall total. So that's something else that we're watching too. And so experiencing those two floods, I'm sure you guys have learned some things coming into this event. Are you able to put some of that into place uh, before we see the effects of Florence in, in the Midlands. And I know you just don't cover the Columbia area, but that's kind of the biggest area that we've, we've seen a lot of rain. Well, I mean, the one thing is, is that, you know, we're going to, the, we're going to have, you know, we're going to be going out and doing analysis on regardless of where the rain falls and, and looking at those historical perspectives and putting them in perspective to 2015 to what happened to Matthew. So, you know, what happened now. So, I mean, 
it's kind of interesting. I'm coming into this, you know, fairly brand new to Florida or sorry, very brand new for, to South Carolina from Florida. But I mean, you know, if you look back at the the rainfall and the, and the forecasts that they had for Harvey and people were just disbelieving that we could get that much rain. In 2008, I lived through tropical storm Floyd in Tallahassee and we measured 30 inches of rain in three days. And that was another one of those ones where you just looked at the, the models and what they were putting out on, you know, just not really believing that that much rain could fall. So, I mean, we're going to be looking at this and we're going to be looking to see what are the changes in the rainfall across, you know, not just South Carolina, but North Carolina too, since it does have such a significant impact on our river system. Here's a question uh, we just got in from a viewer. Uh, Stephen Thayer is wanting to know, uh, does these hurricanes or these back-to-back rainfall events, uh, do they have kind of any influence on what we may see this winter? And I know that's kind of a, a hard question, but do we see any similarities in these events? Um, I could not even begin to answer that question without doing a really good deal of research. Um, I mean, typically we look towards like the El Nino. El Nino usually gives us a really good signal of what's going to be happening in the upcoming winter. And they, you know, earlier um, in the summer, they were saying that El Nino was looking more apparent like it was going to happen. And now if you actually look at the... Um, the forecast from this uh, Climate Prediction Center, they're actually backing off on, on their El Nino forecast a little bit. So I can't really say that one leads to another at this point, but it's definitely something to take a look at in the future. And so with this, um, there's been a lot of, of talk about, um, you know, the, 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 the tides and stuff that's coming in in the Charleston area and that, that's leading to flooding. What has your studies found that, I mean, with, with the tides, even with this tropical moisture coming in, uh, the, the Charleston area and places like that, you know, they're seeing a little bit more extreme flooding than, than maybe others. Well, they are seeing, it's, it's, it's weird, especially in Charleston, and Jared could probably attest to this because he's boots on the ground there, but you have uh, like three different types of flooding. You have your saltwater flooding just from your tidal, your tidal range. You have your freshwater flooding when you get a significant downpour downtown. And then you get the combination of both when you have a high tide and then you get that extreme amount of rainfall. And that just makes it even worse in the Charleston area. So there's these different components that actually go into the flooding of the Charleston area. One of the things that we do notice, especially when you have a storm surge that's pushing onshore, um, you'll get that push up into the bay or into the harbor you'll get the push up into the rivers, and then you have the water coming down the river system that meets. And so you get that initial surge up, and then it starts to retreat, and then you get the water that comes down as well. So you kind of, you know, you'll see that a collection too sometimes in, in the harbor. It's, it's not as, dis, um, it may not be as impactful in the harbor that way um, as it is in some of the river systems. But like I said, the, the, it's the, the tides, the rain, and then the combination of the boat that can get you in Charleston. Yeah, definitely so. And Jared, you can attest to that. Uh, James, I'm going to toss it to you right quick. I'm going to kind of scroll through uh, some of these reports that are coming in because I hear a lot of beeping going on in my ears. I'll kind of let you reset things for us uh, for a little bit. Sure, absolutely, Scotty. It is uh, September the 13th, 2018. You're watching special coverage of Hurricane Florence from the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, I am uh, James Briarton, as Scotty said, and we are uh, continuing our conversation. Uh, it is uh, about 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time, and we've been live with you throughout the day, bringing you live coverage as news conferences and updates came in. You know, you've been seeing on our feeds uh, the governors of both North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, Roy Cooper and Henry McMaster, and other local officials as well, too, 
as they were bringing their updates to us, we were turning around and bringing them to you. Uh, if you're looking for anything hyper local, uh, you can always play those back on our Facebook page or on our YouTube page. Matter of fact, our YouTube page at this point is staying live 24 hours a day with the latest uh, information, latest satellite imagery. And of course, you're able to see on the side of the screen there where we are scrolling for you uh, some of the latest information. Matter of fact, I believe uh, Sh uh, Shay Gibson actually has pinned up on the screen right now his weather flow uh, system. Uh, and you can see not only some of the latest buoy information coming in, but you can also see the uh, storm track. We talk a lot about models, but what you see there on blue on Shay's screen screen that he has up for us is the official National Hurricane Center forecast. And then you can see that black line. Uh, that black line is only the center. Uh, it is not something we should live or die by. It is not the gospel of where this storm is going to go. We don't know exactly where it's going to go. It's that margin of error that's the blue. So anyone right now uh, from uh, you know Fort Bragg as far south as Charleston, South Carolina, you are inside this cone. But what Shea is, I think, pointing out to us right now is not only the wave heights that we're seeing, the increasing swell from this storm, but it looks like he's got gusts there uh, of about 110 miles an hour, sustained winds of 51 miles an hour. At the last advisory we had from the National Hurricane Center, Scotty, uh, we had a 100 mile per hour wind sustained, category two storm, and this storm only moving northwest at five miles an hour. Now the forecast has changed a lot in the last few days, but you can see that since about this time yesterday, we've been keeping kind of this hook where it's going to kind of hug the shore a little bit, maybe make landfall somewhere near Wilmington. Although you can see we have a very large margin of error there in that blue cone that Shea has up on the screen. So uh, when and if the center of circulation of Florence makes landfall, it could be anywhere from just north of Wilmington to as far south as Charleston. Uh, let me take this opportunity if I may and bring back in Jared Smith, who is in Charleston, South Carolina. He has already admitted to us that he has not followed the coastal evacuation. Uh, Jared, will that change if this eye comes further south? Well, if this eye comes further south, then I'm just going to book it to my parents' house. They have a nice little generator and uh, I'm just going to hunker down. It's just going to be lots of dogs running around and uh, it'll be fun. But uh, and then I'm going to get you some great B-roll, James, so don't worry about that. Uh, but yeah, so just quickly recapping uh, what we've got going on with the, uh, <clears throat> with the Hurricane Center advisory. Uh, again, it, it's, uh, it's moving slowly, as James said. You know, northwest at five, that's not, that's not much of a motion there, and it's just lashing, uh, just lashing north, uh, southeast North Carolina with storm surge and, and strong winds, uh, max sustained winds of 100 miles an hour, pressure at 955. Uh, my... Satellite crashed over here. I wanted to see how I could <laughs> get a look at that, but it it crashed as uh, AWIPS is so want to do. But again, uh, storm surge watch and warnings out. Um, storm surge watch, Edisto Beach, South Carolina to South Santee River. Um, that's Charleston. North of Duck, North Carolina to the North Carolina-Virginia border. Those are your storm surge watches. Uh, storm surge warning, South Santee River to Duck, North Carolina, Albemarle and Pamlico Sounds, including the Noose and Pamlico Rivers. So those are your storm surge warnings. More headlines to come, friends. Hurricane warning is in effect from South Santee River, South Carolina to Duck, North Carolina, and the Albemarle and Pamlico Sounds. Hurricane watch remains in effect um, south of there, Edisto Beach to South Santee River, where there is also now a tropical storm warning. Um, and so that there's a tropical storm warning there. That includes the Charleston metro area, Charleston tri-county area, now under a tropical storm warning. Chesapeake Bay south of New Point Comfort. It's going to be up in Virginia, north of Duck, North Carolina to Ch Cape Charles Light, Virginia. So... Uh, Tropical storm warnings on the periphery, hurricane warnings in the center. We've got, you know, and, and still there is that potential. Uh, you know, we are we remain under the hurricane watch down here in Charleston. And so 
that that certainly the potential remains for if this does follow, if this does end up, if the Euro's got something up its sleeve that it knows what it's doing, um, and it follows that little more southerly jog that it's been advertising, and and, and the ensembles are are, are darn near. Um, I mean, they are they are almost unanimous on this, which is just chilling, quite frankly. Um, if it does that, now note that the Hurricane Center really hasn't really hasn't incorporated that into their forecast too much. Um, but if it does, that's going to increase that risk of storm surge here. That's going to increase that risk of uh, heavy flooding rains. We're going to get that combination like Melissa was talking about, heavy rain and tidal flooding. And uh, we'll have possibly a long duration flooding event. Hope that doesn't happen. Doesn't look like it's going to happen right now. But certain, certainly that we've got to watch down here in the low country. Hey, uh, Jared, uh, as you were talking, I was able to, to scroll through some of the uh, LSR, this local storm reports uh, mm -hmm. in some of the chats. And you were talking about storm surge. Listen to this, guys. It just came in. So I don't know if you've seen this yet. Uh, the uh, North Carolina Department of Highways Ferry Division has reported a storm, storm surge of 10 feet above normal water levels. Um, at the Cherry Branch Ferry Terminal in Craven County. So a 10-foot storm surge uh, in Craven County, uh, North Carolina. So that's uh, pretty significant uh, with, uh, with that storm surge. We've also, uh, they were also released uh, some of the uh, peak wind gusts uh, also in Carteret County, uh, Fort Macon from a weather flow uh, sensor, as, as Shay was talking about just a little bit ago, 105 mile per hour wind gusts, Cape Lookout, uh, 97 mile per hour wind gust, uh, North River in Carteret County at 75 mile per hour wind gusts. Those are all above uh, hurricane strength. Uh, in Dare County, uh, Buxton reporting 73 miles per hour wind gust, Avon 74 mile per hour wind gust. And then if you look down towards uh, Onslow County, uh, this is in the Sneeds Ferry community uh, near North Topsail Island, a 72-mile-per-hour wind gust. And then the Mar uh, the Maritime Stations, Marine Stations, buoy, um, a buoy in the New River Inlet. I don't know if you guys saw this. This came in at 8.08 p.m., recorded a 112-mile-per-hour wind gust um, on the uh, in the New River Inlet. So definitely some... Uh, gusty winds, damaging winds, uh, all these above hurricane force uh, that Florence is uh, producing. And I know we see the sustained winds around 100 miles per hour, but that one wind gust, 112, shows you that uh, Florence is capable of producing uh, Category 3 wind gusts as it moves closer to shore, James. And James may not have us. James, do you have us? I, I do apologize. Okay. As you may have noticed, I've got two different <laughs> headphones in, and I'm listening to you on a slight delay as well as live. So I do apologize uh, as uh, we're doing a little bit of multitasking. This is also a good opportunity to remind everyone, as you're watching live tonight on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on Twitter slash Periscope, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, put them in the chat. Uh, we uh, would love to see them. We have our panelists uh, looking out uh, for some of those. Um, you know, One of the things we were uh, just talking about uh, behind the scenes here is uh, the impact of this storm in the big picture. So right now, if you happen to be able to watch us from the coast, which you may not if you don't have power, uh, you know that right now this storm is very close to you with that eye slowly at five miles an hour making its way eventually towards the shore here in the next maybe 
24 hours or so. Um, but we have a lot of people wa watching from other parts of the Carolinas, maybe even into Virginia and Georgia and Tennessee, as you got kind of dragged into this extended cone. Um, and, you know, I know that, uh, Scotty, you reported uh, to us the other day that Charlotte shut down their schools. And as far as I know, although I wasn't there today, it was a beautiful sunny day in, in Charlotte, which I think may have caused some confusion. So what I want to do, uh, and I know... Um, uh, our panels live won't be able to see this, but I'm going to put it up on the screen for our viewers at home is uh, just show some of the other National Hurricane Center graphics here. You know, you you see the the cone a lot, uh, that cone of uncertainty. And so that takes all of the different model forecasts, you know, whether it be the Euro or the GFS. And this is done by human beings uh, that you're seeing uh, if you're watching right now live directly on Facebook Live, YouTube, or Periscope. So when you're trying to figure out the, uh, the biases in those different uh, models, if you are attempting to kind of uh, armchair meteorology here, uh, you can know that this one is vetted by professionals. And so we can kind of get the consensus still that this is going to impact a large swath of the Carolinas. And so what the impact is really going to be as you make your way further inland here, as you make your way towards Columbia, the Midlands, even to upstate South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, and into Charlotte, uh, is that we're going to watch very carefully for the arrival of those uh, tropical storm force winds. And you can see here, because the uh, storm is so large that uh, you may already be seeing some gusts that these are going to be arriving long ahead of the strongest rains. So even if you do eventually get some of the strongest rain, you're going to be watching for those uh, gusty winds as well, too. And because the storm is going to be moving so slowly, our concern is that even if this is a weaker storm, a storm that maybe is a tropical storm, tropical depression, doesn't matter. Uh, you're going to have a prolonged heavy rain and wind event, which means you could start to bring down some trees and some branches. And that is what's going to lead to a lot of those widespread power outages. Matter of fact, uh, the National Hurricane Center, one of the many graphics they do put out uh, is the probability of seeing tropical storm force winds. And so you can see that, of course, uh, it is all but certain along the coast. But you can see just how far that extends essentially to Interstate 77 has a more than 50 percent chance of seeing tropical storm force winds at some point during this event. So uh, that is just something to keep in mind as you're watching from uh, the western half of the Carolinas that you may not be getting a strong hurricane, but Florence is going to come pay a visit. And when she does, you still need to be prepared uh, for some uh, wind and some rain. Matter of fact, National Hurricane Center also puts out this graphic here uh, that uh, shows you just how much rain they are projecting in coordination with some of their uh, National Weather Service counterparts, I believe the Weather Prediction Center gets involved with this. And again, you can see that as far west as Charlotte, we're talking about a foot of rain is possible during the duration of this event. So I know my home, which has a slight slope in the backyard and tends to uh, kind of flood locally uh, anytime it rains, is probably going to be uh, probably going to be pooling up a little bit. So uh, that is certainly a concern. Last but not least, uh, here is a look just at that flash flooding probability. Again, all but certain parts of the coast, we're already seeing it. There have been numerous flash flood warnings uh, that were uh, issued already along the coast today. And you can see here kind of uh, that scale as we get down to the green, a little less likely, but we're still going to be monitoring for flash flooding in low-lying areas along rivers, creeks, and streams as we head through the weekend. Scotty, what's the concern uh, up in the foothills, up in the higher elevations here as this storm, as this system makes its way towards some of that sloping land? Yeah, that's a great question, James. And, and kind of like what Daniel was talking about earlier, 
uh, it's really track dependent. Wherever this low pressure goes uh, will tell us how much rain we're going to get. Um, the European model, like uh, Jared was talking about just a little bit ago, is kind of taking that more southerly track uh, through uh, South Carolina up into northeast Georgia and then up into Kentucky. If we get that track, we could definitely see some 8 to 12-inch rainfall totals. Uh, but the current track that the Hurricane Center is taking right now, uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, my forecast area, we're for forecasting anywhere between 6 to 10 inches of rain. Um, I do believe with, with some of the model data that's come out and some of the uh, the uh, HR, uh, the future uh, radars, is showing a stripe of rain setting up somewhere on the northern part of Florence. Wherever that sets up at, I believe that the potential of seeing at 10 to maybe 12 inches of rain is very possible. That's uh, right now what radar has been showing kind of starts in the Charlotte area and then starts to move up the Interstate 40 corridor and kind of banks up against the mountains. And when we get that, we get what we call orographic lift. We get um, the, the, the rain is actually, it's kind of like ringed out a little bit more. It's kind of like having a sponge and wringing the water out, it gets wrung out just a little bit more because of that lifting the air and it's creating a little bit more heavier rain against the, uh, the escarpment of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So McDowell County, Burke County, Caldwell, uh, Rutherford County, down into Henderson County, and then up into the mountains of Avery, Watauga, Ash, Mitchell. Those places like that, they could definitely see some um, maybe double-digit rainfall totals. Uh, that would create some flash flooding. And James, another worry that is in the uh, western North Carolina area is landslides and mudslides. We had several of those back in May when uh, Tropical Storm Alberto moved through the area. We had over 50 landslides. And so uh, we're just now starting to get roads back open from May. So uh, definitely with another 6, 10, maybe 12 inches of rain, uh, the possibility of seeing more landslides and rock slides and mudslides, things like that, is definitely a, a possibility. And I know the uh, National Weather Service in Greenville-Spartanburg, they're going to start issuing some verbiage about that. You're going to see these special weather statements come out. I think they're starting those uh, overnight tonight, but definitely starting to push it out tomorrow about the dangers of landslides and the possibility of flash flooding. So um, rain is a big concern. Definitely uh, gusty winds could pr produce uh, some downed trees with saturated soils. Um, numerous places have uh, had a very wet summer. Uh, I know Marion, North Carolina, and McDowell County, uh, they're registering their wettest uh, year on record. So uh, with the wet soil, the saturated soil, 25, 35, maybe 40 mile per hour wind gusts will definitely uh, be able to uh, bring down some trees onto power lines. So sporadic power outages are uh, definitely a possibility here in the foothills. So uh, kind of a track dependent on just how much rain we get. We know we're going to get rain and we know it's going to be pretty hefty, but depending on the track tells us if we're going to have double digit rainfall totals or if we stay in the six to maybe 10 inch rainfall totals. Scotty, I'm going to see, I think we still have Daniel with us, and you talked a little bit about all that rain that's going to be falling across the Carolina, Scotty, but also flowing down from the mountains, those rivers and streams making their way eventually through the Midlands and eventually, hopefully, making its way back out to the ocean. Daniel, is that a concern that you guys are going to be watching? Because all that water has got to come past them with Matthew. So that's the big concern for us is where, obviously, that water is going to be coming from north to south, and it is going to make its way through the Midlands. And so that's what we're warning people about. The people that live in those floodplains, the people that live along the rivers, even our lakes, just to pay attention to what's going on. And if local officials tell them to get out, then be ready to move on and move to higher ground because we saw that in Nichols. Some people 
hung around. And unfortunately they didn't make it because that water was rising and they just, uh, they stayed around and it was a little bit too late. So yeah, that's a concern for our, for that's one concern we're uh, mentioning as well. And that makes sense. And like you mentioned, we saw that uh, earlier in the year with all the, the rain and the flooding we saw coming out of the foothills and other parts of the region. Um, you know, and I don't have all the details in front of me, but I think we were starting to see reports today that the folks who control a lot of those lakes, those dams, those streams, uh, where we do have man-made control on them, are trying to get some of that water flowing out now. So it gives us a little bit extra buffer. Uh, Scotty, I understand we have a viewer question. And I believe Scotty is on mute. I tell you, I've been doing this five years and I still catch myself doing that. A uh, great question from Andrew. He's wanting to know about the millibars. If he sees the millibars increase, what does that mean in the storm and vice versa? What does a decrease in millibars mean in a storm? And Daniel, if you want to take this one, uh, I, I'll let you do that. And I know Shay, uh, you know, with our tropical expert, maybe you guys want to kind of talk about uh, what that means in the storm. Does Shay want to go ahead? Sure, sure. I can do it. Uh, typically what you have is yeah. a drop in pressure. The lower the numbers is the lower the pressure. Typically the stronger the system is going to be. Whereas when you're rising higher, you're getting up higher in pressure, which uh, we all know what high pressure, we, we've heard of that. And that's much higher than low pressure. So, I mean, yeah, basically the higher pressure, the weaker the storm, lower the pressure, the stronger. That's the general consensus here. Uh, we have seen intensities maintain a little higher than what you would think at lower, at somewhat low pressures, but uh, yeah, so if we're, if we're seeing the, the millibars rise, that means the storm is beginning to weaken. Uh, I did want to quickly mention, uh, this was a snapshot that I did earlier. Uh, as the storm has weakened today, and, and there's some questions about why this is happening, why would the storm weaken? And uh, this, this shows the top topographical features underneath the water that uh, show where the deep Atlantic, where this storm was kicking up 59 to 83 foot swells yesterday along the northeast quadrant. Uh, once all of this water uh, comes up to this Blake escarpment, this is basically the continental edge here, or the shelf waters, the continental shelf for where we are. Um, we have this huge amount of water roll up onto the shelf. And so what you get is a, a sharp upslope where cool water below upwells to the top. And then it rolls up the Blake Plateau and up to the Florida Hatteras Slope. And it basically, the, the water gets churned up automatically ahead of the storm. Now, we did have uh, right there along the edge of this is where the Gulf Stream is up near North Carolina, uh, right over the Blake Plateau in some portions. And so you we did have some convective outbursting. It looked like we might have some intensification, but then we saw rapid cooling. That could be a one-two punch. One, trying to get re-intensified. Number two, the cool water upwelling did not allow that to, to continue. Uh, so that that may be on the reanalysis that may be what we saw happen there. But this just gives you an idea of what's going on underneath the water that would cool the sea surface temperatures, which were around 84 to 88 degrees for a lot of folks uh, up and down the coastline, may, mostly around 85 to 86, even 85 in Charleston. But we'll likely see a lot of these waters very cool after this storm is gone and uh, getting back down to where they should be even below average. So um, another thing I wanted to show real quick was we do have three stations deployed uh they are mobile units and these are fmc i'm sorry scmp t1 2 and 3 and these were placed specifically to try to get eyewall data uh from our weather flow network so we're, we're we usually work with some of the um universities and in, in uh, uh sakura we work with uh, a lot of folks to try to get more data into the area so just 
three more weather stations deployed to that area to try to get more information for everybody as uh, the storm rolls on. So hopefully we can get some eyewall information or close to it. Back to you, James. Hey, James, you were talking about those rainfall totals. Uh, the Weather Prediction Center uh, has just uh, brought out their latest um, latest projection. So I would like to get that on there because there's a lot of people asking about uh, rain pro probability. So can you guys see this? Yes. Yes. All right. So this is uh, the latest uh, information out from the Weather Prediction Center. Uh, this is just kind of a, uh, a, a weak total of, uh, of rainfall, but we believe most of this will come during uh, the time that Florence affects the area. Look at some of these rainfall totals down in Wilmington. Now I'll tell you this. Uh, I vacation a lot down in the Holden Beach area, which is in the Wilmington area. And back on August 1st, Wilmington had already reached their climatological uh, average of rainfall, their average yearly rainfall uh, was reached on August 1st. So uh, since then, we've had some rain. And now look at this. We're adding on another 26 to possibly 30 inches of rain uh, into the Wilmington area. So uh, definitely uh, some um, some catastrophic flooding possible in southeast uh, North Carolina, even down where Chris is at in Myrtle Beach. Uh, that's anywhere between 17 to 20 inches of rain possible. Of rain possible. Uh, up into, I think this is the Nichols-Florence area, uh, possibility of 17, maybe even 18 inches of rain. Then once you get back towards Columbia, it's between 8 to 10 inches. And then up in the Charlotte metro area, uh, you're looking at a good 10 to 12 inches. There's 13 inches in Concord. Uh, Monroe, 14.3 inches over towards Fayetteville and Lumberton, 20 to 22 inches. And then once you get back into the foothills, Statesville, uh, Hickory, Morganton, right around the eight to nine inches back towards Marion and Relaford County, six to seven inches. And then the further uh, west, you get Asheville only recording maybe three and a half inches. And then back into uh, Murphy, North Carolina, you're only looking at it between an inch and a half to two inches. Uh, so this is the, uh, the latest rainfall um, estimate from the Weather Prediction Center. And I, I think it comes out at least two to three times a day. So uh, we could definitely see these, these numbers change, uh, you know, dependent on the track, but at least uh, tonight at around 10 o'clock, this is the latest thinking and rainfall totals from the Weather Prediction Center, who kind of blends all this model data together to come up with this forecast. So uh, those are definitely some eye-opening uh, rainfall totals there in uh, Northeast South Carolina and Southeast uh, North Carolina. Also, special shout out to Kenneth Hudnut in our uh, chat here. He's with uh, USGS. He sent us a really great link for landslide info source. So we're going to have to do our little homework on that to uh, uh, get brushed up on that product. But thank you very much, Ken. Thanks for watching. Uh, he's been on our show before to talk about uh, volcanic activity and um, earthquake activity. So um, uh, thank you very much. Anyways, just wanted to mention him. I've got one last question for Melissa, and I don't want to put Melissa, you on the spot too much, but given your, your profession and your studies, do you have an anticipation of, in the history books, where Florence might fall compared to the storm we've previously seen in the region? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm just trying to think. I mean, you know, Daniel mentioned earlier, you know, everyone's been, you know, using Hugo has been mentioned. I mean, you go in the grocery store around here and you hear people mention Hugo. Um, it, it's one for the books. And even before Hugo, I've heard mention of Gracie. I've heard mention of Hazel. Um, 
you know, I just honestly, right now, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to end up, but I can say that it is definitely going to be one that people are going to be talking about for the next 30 years. Yeah, I, I think there's still a lot to be seen uh, in this forecast and how it plays out, but uh, I think it's a name that people are going to uh, certainly remember. Scotty, I think you had some power outages we wanted to share before we wrap up tonight, and I know a lot of those right now are along the coast, and we're going to wait to see what those uh, what happens to those folks watching in central North Carolina and South Carolina as well as the western half, but what's it looking like right now at the coast? Yes, um, I do want to – Carolyn Elizabeth is wanting to know, Daniel specifically – uh, what is the tornado threat for the Midlands? She says she watches you there on TV. I was wanting to know what, what the tornado threat was there and why he uh, explains that. I'm going to pull up the power outages. Yeah, we've been going with an isolated threat for the Midlands, and it's going to be very track dependent. If the track at the center of the track or the, uh, I should say, the center of circulation is more towards our north northern portion of the Midlands, then the threat for tornadoes will be further to our north. If the center of circulation is further south, then we may have uh, more activity. But right now we were saying kind of an isolated chance for uh, tornadic activity. And unfortunately, when you get these tropical storm type tornadic uh, tornadoes, they're, they're kind of short lived. And a lot of times by the time you get the warning, and maybe hop on television, it's gone a lot of times. So uh, that can be good and bad, but it looks like the, the risk is going to be uh, isolated right now. Of course, we're going to be watching it closely, especially as we go into Saturday in particular for us here in, in the Columbia area. Yeah, I've been watching level three radar the last time for Matthew and this one, I, I don't even bother because there's so many little mesocyclones that occur that you just you get lost in them you don't know which one they're all radar indicated rotations and it's just a matter of which one is actually showing touching down so i know the weather service stays really busy with that all right um pulled up the power outage map uh as you can see over 118,000 uh, state outages right now in North Carolina. This was as of 9.37. I'll refresh it here, see if we can get an update. So uh, there's the latest update, 951, 123,659 power outages in North Carolina, and most of those being in Eastern North Carolina. Uh, the two most affected counties is uh, Carteret County. As you can see, 98% of the county is without power right now. And then looking at, um, and this is Pamlico County. Uh, 97% of the uh, county is out of power there. So those are uh, definitely some uh, major outage numbers. Here's uh, Craven County. About 64% of the, the county is out of power. So uh, we can go down to South Carolina here. If you'll bear with me for just a second. And uh, we'll pull South Carolina up. Right now, only 595 outages in South Carolina, and most of those look to be in Georgetown County with 349 of those uh, customers without power. So uh, again, uh, North Carolina experiencing the uh, the majority of the power outages right now. Carteret County and Pimlico County are the two most hard hit counties, um, and Craven County as well. So a lot of folks, uh, that's kind of the Moorhead City, New Bern area, uh, that we've been seeing a lot of uh, the storm reports out of, James. So um, those uh, power outages are, are starting to uh, creep up, especially in uh, North Carolina, eastern North Carolina. Oh, yeah, thanks for that, Scotty. And we'll watch to see how far 
uh, that impact makes it into the central part and the western part of the state. We hope we hope it doesn't travel that far in. But we like we talked about before, when you're dealing with a hurricane or even a just a simple prolonged tropical system like this, that's going to bring lots of rain and wind. We're going to see how much the, the trees can tolerate before uh, they start uh, coming down. I was just using the radar scope app here on my phone and measuring at this hour uh, where the eye is. And although we do not know at this point how the storm may still wobble in its last few hours at sea, uh, it's about 70 miles off the coast of Wilmington. Uh, and the storm is moving west at about five miles an hour. Uh, so that's not to say that the eye itself will, will cross come ashore in Wilmington. But uh, as you can see, uh, we'll go ahead and put the radar uh, up on the screen. Uh, you know, that eye is uh, on radar. We can see it. It is just off the coast. The rains have been battering eastern North Carolina all day today. And uh, for those of you along the coast, I hate to tell you, but uh, the, the heaviest winds are still on their way as this eye gets closer and closer to shore. So you are certainly in for a long night. Our thoughts are with you, uh, and we hope that uh, you are watching uh, from uh, a safe evacuated place or someplace hunkered down safe and sound. Uh, Scotty, I think uh, now just past the 10 o'clock hour here, uh, maybe we'll look to start wrapping things up and take one last look at the National Hurricane Center's latest forecast track. Uh, yeah, that, we'll send it back to you. All right, we've got uh, one more question. Um, Tom is wanting to know uh, if Chris could give us an update about what's actually going on in Myrtle Beach since he's there in the storm. And I know uh, before, uh, maybe Tom, you wasn't joining us at the beginning of the show, but we had Chris kind of give a synopsis of what he had already seen and, and what uh, what was uh, going on there. So uh, Chris, for maybe those who have just joined, kind of give us a, a, a rundown of what's going on right now where you're at weather-wise and, and maybe what to expect over the next 24 hours. Uh, so I've, I've been in Myrtle Beach all afternoon. The storms that it's, if it's moving, it's not moving much. Uh, I, you know, I set up in North Myrtle Beach uh, earlier today and uh, sitting on the beach right in uh, North Myrtle Beach. I'm actually going to share my screen here. I'm going to show you guys a few things. Uh, get this pulled up, up here. All right. I was sitting on the beach earlier in, in North Myrtle Beach. And with radar scope, it gives you the great ability to GPS locate yourself. And then from there, use their measurement tools. But uh, just using this, you get a brief idea. You know, right now to the center of the eye of Florence from North Myrtle Beach is about 101 miles. Uh, earlier today at about, oh gosh, about three o'clock, it was only 138 miles. So it, it's not moving fast. I mean, it, it's just creeping along. This uh, this band, this outer band right here has just been just pounding uh, Wilmington and uh, Oak Island all day long. Uh, earlier, there was a few little squalls that moved into the North Myrtle Beach area. And, uh, you know, it, it was a little bit of rain, but it, it was in and out in, you know, five to 10 minutes. But, uh, you know, my biggest thing that I'm watching, looking at the radar here is just, you know, watching what this eye does. And, and, and over, the, over the past few hours, it hasn't done a lot because it's really going to dictate what I see, you know, here in Myrtle Beach or if I go back up to North Myrtle Beach in the morning. You know, if it, if it comes on shore, you know, due west, I'm going to be really concerned, you know, as the storm passes, getting the winds that, that switch around out of the south and storm surge becomes an issue. Uh, something else that I've been watching all day is this dry slot uh, right on the backside of the storm right here. I, I don't know if that's dry air trying to get entrained into it. It's just something I've been watching. But, uh, you know, for right now, you know, winds are, you know, 20, 20 ish, 20, 25, gusting 30, 35 at, at times. And, uh, you know, just going to keep monitoring it and see what happens uh, when I wake up in the morning. 
Um, I'm planning to try to get up kind of early and uh, from there, see where the storm's at, see how it's progressing, and try to put myself in at the safest and maybe maybe the best position I possibly can for tomorrow. And Chris, you kind of was, I was going to ask you that question. What is it going to be like to you for you tonight? Uh, Cause I know all uh, meteorologists, um, you know, when we see big events coming, we say we're going to sleep, but we don't really get a lot of sleep. Uh, are you going to be out looking out the window every uh, hour or so, or what's that going to be like? No, no, I, I want this nice bed here. <laughs> you know what, what, I, what I'm really, what I'm concerned about, maybe Shay or somebody else has actually looked at, at some of the, I guess the high resolution model stuff and maybe Melissa, I, I don't know. Uh, high tide from Myrtle Beach and Spring May Pier is, is, is supposed to be at uh, at noon tomorrow. And, and if this storm, you know, starts moving a little bit, that's about, uh, you know, 14 hours away. You know, you got a five, uh, I think it's projected at 5.93 feet. And then you can throw maybe four to six feet of water back on top of it. I just don't know what the tide cycle is going to be like with the storm motion. Maybe that's something you guys have looked at today and can give me some insight on. Yeah, I got it up on screen right now. This is the uh, ET surge for Spring Maid Pier. This is a little south of you. There isn't much data just north of you until you get up past the uh, the Cape up there. But uh, we're looking at negative storm surge for tomorrow in Myrtle Beach. Uh, in fact, looking at uh, over almost two feet, uh, a little over two feet below high tide without, with offshore winds. So if the uh, high-resolution model in NAM 3, I can run the NAM 3, and we can see this right here. Uh, the NAM 3 is, is really it's taking it into the coast right here. We're getting a landfall out of it. Uh, then hugging the coast, coming down towards your way, towards North Myrtle, Cherry Grove area, Sunset, uh, and, then, uh, and then scooting off to the west, wobbling very slowly off to the west. So that's what the NAM 3 is showing right there. Uh, if we get the Euro run, of course, that will change. But I don't think your storm surge, even if the Euro does bring it down the coastline, is going to deviate a lot because I think that wraparound flow is going to keep more of a negative surge going on than anything else. And it would have to be considerably off the coast to get you an onshore flow uh, to occur to give you a surge. So I don't think surge is going to be too much of a, a big deal up that way. I think you'll be getting negative surge, if anything. But you're, you're looking far below hat values as of right now with the ET. So hopefully that helps you out a little bit. Absolutely. That, that you know, what that allowed me to do is, uh, you know, maybe stay on the beach a little bit longer, not be so concerned about storm surge, especially as long as that offshore wind uh, continues. Because I, I know tomorrow, especially tomorrow afternoon, it's going to be a different ball game than it was here today. Here today it was, it was basically a nice sunny summer afternoon by myself in Myrtle Beach. Tomorrow it's going to be a nice stormy afternoon with Florence in Myrtle Beach. Well, don't climb the Ferris wheel to get your bird's eye view, okay? Uh, there's no, there's no gondolas. I, I drove out earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, we we definitely um, wish you um, a good night's rest and uh, definitely stay safe uh, tomorrow. I know uh, if you're watching us tonight, we're going to be able to to roll a, a lot of Chris's footage tomorrow and push a lot of his information out. So, uh, with that, James, I'm going to uh, send it to you, and we can kind of close uh, close down tonight's show. Yeah, thanks, Scotty. And uh, we do want to remind everyone that uh, our YouTube stream will remain up. Uh, we're going to continue to uh, bring you some of the latest content throughout the night. And then if you uh, are more interested in Facebook, uh, we will be uh, back live on Facebook each time we've got a major event. So whether that's a live nightly show like we're doing right now, or when we have live news conferences or updates, uh, either from state governors or, or local city or county officials, as you uh, have seen, we've been bringing those uh, to you on Facebook Live as well, too. 
The other thing I've been mentioning all week long at the end of the shows, and I'm going to do so right now too, is a lot of us are going to get into situations where you lose power, you have limited internet, cellular network is limited. If you're still looking to keep up, a date, up to date with the Carolina Weather Group, what you can do is uh, follow us on your favorite podcast app. So if that's Google Play, if that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, you can subscribe <coughs> to the Carolina Weather Group and listen to us audio only. So when we're done here with this show in a few moments, we're going to take the audio from tonight. We're going to go ahead and push it out on those platforms. So although it's good, obviously, anytime for on the go listening, it's going to be really key here in this kind of emergency situation. If you're looking to stay up to date, uh, you can do so that way. And of course, we also hope that you have some sort of battery operated or hand cranked AM, FM weather radio uh, so you can get the latest local information uh, from your neck of the woods, too, because we're going to try to give you as much information as we can. But obviously, it's a very large storm and a very large area, and we want you to get that local information. So if there is storm surge, localized flooding, one of those tornado warnings that we've talked about, we want to make sure that you can get that directly. And so in a situation like this, a battery-operated or hand-cranked radio that has that NOAA weather band is going to be very, very important. Uh, I want to thank our guest uh, for hopping on tonight. Uh, I know uh, we weren't able to uh, get uh, Dr. Greg Postel on from the Weather Channel due to some technical issues, but uh, hopefully we'll have him on sometime in the future. I know he's also very busy. Uh, I want to thank uh, Daniel and Melissa uh, for joining us tonight. I know their time is very valuable and they're right here in the Carolinas like the rest of us. And so everyone is kind of looking at this not only uh, from a professional standpoint, but also uh, from a personal standpoint, everyone's got uh, friends, families, and livelihoods that they're looking out for here as well too so um uh chris did you have something from brad penovich that he posted on social that you wanted to share real fast before we sign off tonight? yeah it was just something he just put out one of his graphics i thought that was pretty pretty uh telling uh, for brad because he usually tells it like it is got a ton of respect for him awesome uh, you know he's, he's got a, a, a brand new graphic on his facebook page you know from charlotte uh, down to Marion, down across the PD River Valley, the lumber, you know, the lumber watershed, Lumberton, North Carolina, Robinson County, all the way down to Williams, uh, oh, God, goodness gracious, Wilmington, and then over to Myrtle Beach. And, you know, he's got uh, an extreme risk for flooding. So you know, that's pretty telling. <clears throat> yeah, I think by the time this is all said and done, it's something that is going to touch every corner of the Carolinas. Uh, so uh, do stay prepared. And you've probably heard it so many times before, but no one ever complained about being overprepared. So whether you use all of those Pop-Tarts now or you use them down the line, they're not going bad. So enjoy those brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts. Uh, with that, uh, Scotty, I'll wrap this on up here, I think, uh, for tonight. This has been our September 13th, 2018 special past the 10 o'clock hour. Now it's our Thursday night Hurricane Florence special. We've been live with you each and every night at 9 o'clock. And so, uh, again, uh, follow us here on social media, and uh, we will continue to provide you coverage of uh, what well, very well may be a historic storm. Scotty. Thank you for that, James. It is uh, our definitely our, our thoughts and prayers with all those who are already being affected and those who are in the path. Uh, we hope that everything uh, goes well. I know it's been kind of sad for me because uh, I lived in Myrtle Beach for a couple summers and uh, visit Topsail Island and, and uh, Holden Beach uh, every year, and uh, so many memories there. And to see uh, those places like that get uh, to get pummeled by by Florence is is kind of um, it's kind of sad to me. So uh, my my thoughts are with everyone and. All of us here, uh, we will continue to keep you updated. Make sure you're following us on social media uh, as well. And we'll uh, continue to do our live stream updates tomorrow and through, uh, I guess, until 
until the threat's over. So uh, we hope you don't get too tired of us. <laughs> We've been on your, your screen every night, so don't get too. We hope you're not getting too tired of us. But again, uh, thanks to all the guys here. I want to I want to thank uh, Jared and and James definitely for uh, all the uh, 24 hour live streaming coverage and uh, all the the tricks that they're able to do. I have no idea what they do, but, uh, you know, with, with the technology, but uh, very thankful for those folks. Um, thankful for Chris and Shay and what they bring to the show and, uh, their dedication and, uh, just a big thank you from me and, uh, we'll keep you, uh, in the loop and Daniel and Melissa, we wish you guys the best and, uh, whatever uh, this weekend may bring, we hopefully, uh, it won't be too bad and we can start to, uh, enjoy some college football, right, Daniel? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys have a great, uh, have a great evening and we'll see you back here tomorrow night uh, for another uh, episode of the Carolina weather group. Stay safe out there and uh, make sure that you check on your friends and neighbors. Have a great night.